0: For us, really, our history is uh, something that we should value, uh, but not exploit, and also being able to, to maintain it maybe for another thousand of years.
1: Welcome to Ciao Bella, hosted by me, Erica Firpo, travel journalist based in Rome. Each episode of Ciao Bella, I sit down with Italy's creators, contemporary artists and artisans, designers, culinary experts, heritage brands, and innovative aesthetes and more who are defining and redefining 21st century Italy. Pull up a chair and join in. Welcome back. Today I am in Tuscany in a beautiful hamlet called Nipozano, and I'm here with Matteo Frescobaldi. Ciao, Matteo.
0: Ciao, buongiorno.
1: Buongiorno. Thank you so much for having me at your family's estate. And your family has so many great estates because you are from the Frescobaldi family. You know, I always... I was, I was thinking when I was coming here, it must be pretty amazing to have 30 generations of Frescobaldi. Can you tell a little bit about your family's history?
0: Well, well first of all, thank you. Thank you for, for for visiting us and for being here together to talk about our family. Yes, I must say it is pretty unique. Um, also, I feel the responsibility. Our family has a long history in Florence, in Tuscany, since the year. 1,000. It's it's crazy. (laughs) It is, it is pretty, pretty unique. We still live in the same building where our family history started about 1,000 years ago, as well as we work in our lands, in our estates, where we have been making agriculture since the year 1,300. So we have over 700 years and 30 generations of of experience and the responsibility for our work.
1: Well, it is—it is truly amazing to just even quantify that—a thousand years and a thousand, you know, and seven hundred of one of the most important wine families in Italy and one of the oldest wine families in the world, from what I know. I mean, it's—it's—it's it's, it's kind of mind blowing, um, and it's—and it's great talking with you because you're the thirtieth generation, the young the young generation, right? And it's it's fun because we're here in Nipozano not to talk about wine, which we could talk because we, I mean, you know, you look, you stand at the top of the castle and it's just beautiful rolling hills, beautiful vineyards. We're looking, you said the Val d'Arnaud. We see, we're, we're just, I guess, east of Florence. Exactly. About a 30 minute drive and it is some of the, I mean, I, I keep saying to you, this looks like a painting. It doesn't seem real, it's so beautiful. But we're not here to talk about wine, we're here to talk about Laudemio.
0: (laughs) Yes, Laudemio is our olive oil. And I started to work in the family business uh, four years ago to manage our uh, olive oil Laudemio, which we have been making uh, since the year 1986. And in in reality, olive oil has always been uh, made during the history of our family, but in nineteen eighty-six we decided to launch a high quality and high value brand, a luxury brand of olive oil.
1: Well you were telling me that something happened that kind of set the set the the ball rolling in nineteen eighty five
0: yes here in in this part of Tuscany we had a very cold winter where temperatures went down to minus 25 degrees celsius, so we lost... That's so cold. (laughs) Yes. We lost all the olive trees, froze, and we lost the the crop for, for the next three years. So our idea was to relaunch our olive oil production by making a high quality brand of olive oil that would guarantee consumers with origin, high quality standards and authentic Tuscan aromas and taste.
1: So kind of like establishing a a terroir for the olive oil that really hadn't been done before, correct?
0: Yes, it was the first time in the history of the extra virgin olive oil world that a brand like uh, the DOC or DOCGs of wines uh, implicitly guaranteed high quality standards, origins, and taste. For example, we launched Laudem in 1986, and the first DOP of extra virgin olive oil of Europe and of Italy was born in 1995. So almost 10 years after we... Pioneers. definitely yes i must say my my parents and uh, my uncles were very visionary for the olive oil sector
1: it sounds like it um i think it's pretty interesting when we were walking around you were telling me that the olive oil that what is really important with laudemio is that it's about identifying you know creating an olive oil that's identified by its taste that really brings you back to where you are Tell me a little bit about, about Laudemio, what it means, mm-hmm. why it's called Laudemio.
0: Laudemio uh, is a word that was used in the medieval ages by the farmers to indicate the best selection of the crop. And the the origin of the word is from the Latin word laude, which means with praise, with honors. So Laudemio meant the finest part of the production of the farm for the for the medieval ages here in Tuscany. And we decided to call the olive oil Laudemio because we didn't want it to be a commodity like it was the world of extra virgin olive oil. We wanted it to be something special, something unique.
1: Wow, now tell me, you know, I, I, I know a little bit about olive oil. I know that I like it a lot. Um, I know, I, I, I noticed yours Ha- the, the packaging is like a perfume bottle. It's, it's like, but a, a luxury perfume bottle. It's beautiful, um, and, and you, you definitely get the idea that this is more than just something I'm gonna use to toss on a salad. <laughs> um, I know that there have been a lot of different ways of thinking about olive oil, like mono cultivars and, and blends. What, what does Laudemio Frescobaldi do?
0: So uh, our concept, which is also thanks of our heritage in terms of winemaking, is giving value to the territory, and thinking, being convinced that the quality and the taste and the character of a product comes from the land and the terroir where it ma- where it's made. By terroir, I mean the regional. Uh, Uh, Meaning which means which is a combination of altitude soil wind uh, weather mm, So all of the components that influence the life of the plants and of the fruits so uh, What really gives the character to our? products and our Laudemio is the territory where it's made then all of the things that we do all of the best production techniques are made to convey to convert that particular fruit in that terroir to a finished product
1: how well tell me a little bit about um so it's not just nipozzano i know Nipozano is one you have about 100 hectares here of, of olives correct yes And in fact you have, and I want to talk about this a little bit later, you have a very special grove of olives too. But overall, Frescobaldi has 300 hectares of olive groves?
0: Yes, all around Florence. In our estates, uh, where uh, that are surrounding Florence in a way from west to east. Um, In Nipossano we have 100, we have another 200 in other two estates, and they are all uh, Um, harvested to produce laudemio, meaning uh, harvesting the olives when they are not ripe yet. Usually we begin in the beginning of October and we finish by the end of November. So the olives are still very green and not ripe and they're all pressed within a few hours. By by definition olive oil must be pressed on the same day that the olives are, are harvested. So all of the olive oil is produced to potentially do Laudemio, but then there is a rigid rigid selection, and only the finest is selected to become Laudemio frescobaldi.
1: Can you describe the color and taste of Laudemio to our listeners? Because you are definitely the expert. As director of Laudemio frescobaldi, you are the man to talk to about this. So I would love to have your personal take on the color and the taste.
0: Uh, Both the color and and taste, as I said before, come from our territory here in central Tuscany and in this part, for example, of Nipozzano, we are very close to a mountain chain and it is pretty cold for the normal life of olive trees, which used to originate from the Middle East and from warmer weathers. So this cold weather and the exchanges in temperatures from day to night uh, in, in September and October, make the olives develop very, very green colors. So, the olive oil is emerald green, so it's very, very green because we harvest the olives when they're still very green. And also, the tasting profile is green. So, what you see in the color, you will also find it in the taste because the, the tasting profile is of green uh, grass. Uh, very fresh aromas of like wild arugula or artichoke.
1: Do you um, do you have a favorite way? Do you you know? I think I I I love olive oil. I probably I'll, I'll even just drink a teaspoon of it, probably because my nonna used to make me do that. Um, I think some people just use it for salads. Some people use it for cooking. Um, how about you? Do you have a favorite way that you like to enjoy laudemio?
0: It really. Um, changes based on the season so uh, in november october when the olive oil is new we it's very pungent it's very strong it tends to be very spicy and bitter so it works very well with vegetables soup or Mm. beans soup like the tuscan uh, ribollita for example then as we go towards the summer the olive oil becomes a bit more gentle a bit more balanced and it's perfect for like uh, uh, fish tartars, uh, or um, or how do you say, salads mm-hmm. with tomato and rucola.
1: And I'm gonna guess it must be delicious with a nice like bistecca alla fiorentina. I mean
0: that's really the best with the tagliata
1: oh god yeah you can't really go wrong (laughs) which actually brings me back to nipozzano because you know um this is not simply a farm this as we said this is a castle this is castello nipozzano which has been in your family for how long
0: it has been uh, the castle uh, has over a thousand years of age, it used to be a military fortress. It was not always a Frescobaldi property. It used to belong to another uh, noble family of Tuscany called Degli Albizzi. And in the 1800s, the last member of the, the Degli Albizzi family was Leonia Degli Albizzi, who married my great-great-grandfather, Angelo Frescobaldi, and so Nipozano in uh, eighteen fifty five if I remember correctly became part of the frescobaldi uh, lands
1: so you were you were telling me this castle when prior to being frescobaldi um, but in its he- medieval heyday this was you know is a fortress that guarded one of the main roads going into Florence correct
0: yes here uh, we are at the corner between uh, two valleys, Val di Sieve and Valdarno, and it used to be one of the entrances uh, to Florence. And for a certain time, it was a border. So here there was the border going in and out of the city of Florence. And in fact, there was also a... um, Dogana? How do you say Dogana? Customs House. Custom House yeah. of you know a thousand years ago. So it's not <laughs> not like the one of today. But you you had to pay to enter the city, and there was here the, the commissioner who made you pay to go in, into into Florence
1: and it's it's amazing because you well you don't see the commissioner <laughs> but you still see the traces of its you know the, the crenellations the traces of its medieval heritage um, that little church that's there the just the, the courtyard it's so beautiful and then eventually it becomes frescobaldi and it becomes a family estate and now you were saying since the 60s it's it's more like a meeting place correct and, and a tasting center which is which why we find ourselves right in the kitchen <laughs>
0: Yes. Uh, well, I must say my, my father and my uncles have been very intelligent in the 60s to decide not to use for their own use, uh, for the private use, all our uh, estates and villas, but to use it for the company. So most of the rooms uh, and the sellers of the, of the nipozzano Villa are used to make uh, hospitality for our guests and uh, promoting our products.
1: So pian piano, this is this is a, this is a Hamlet. So for for everyone to understand, it's got a little dirt, no, a little stone road that comes through, and you have this beautiful castle. And then on one side you have this beautiful castle with the crenellations, and on the other side you have a church, which is still an active church, and then a bunch of buildings. Um, some of them they, they're they're already here for hospitality. So I have been a guest here, which has been a lot of fun because it was great to wake up and just hear birds and see this countryside. I'm so used to Rome and I wake up and I hear the ambulances <laughs> or I hear the, the people shouting. Um, and so this, this is not simply, this, this is a place where you can come and, and just take some time out, relax, enjoy the Tuscan air as a guest, correct?
0: Well, no, definitely. Here the-
1: And drink great wine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Here I must say it's really relaxing when when i um, when i bring my friends here or my my colleagues they're always impressed and they, the day after they say i have never slept so well that's
1: what i, I was thinking about today too I, I really slept well um you were telling me that when you were a kid you used to come here and play in the in the forest
0: yes all the time
1: it must have been great <laughs> i would love to like i i think that with, next time i come back i think i'm just gonna have to walk through your forest because th- those trees are gorgeous all, I mean. Again, we see the olive trees and we see the, the vines, but there's also forest areas, so these really rich green areas that um, I miss a lot living in a city. <laughs> <laughs> 21st century Italian identity. Doesn't necessarily mean, you know, I'm walking around with a bandiera, but I'm wondering how you feel about it, especially with your 1,000 years of Italian, of, of, of Frescobaldi history.
0: What does it mean?
1: Yeah, what does it mean to you?
0: For me, I think It's very uh, connected to How my my parents and my uncles uh, Brought me up, but also I can see it with my cousins. We have always been taught that we are not owners of what we have But we have to manage it for the generations to, to come so for us really our history is uh, something that we should value, uh, but not exploit, and also being able to, to maintain it maybe for another thousand of years.
1: Caretakers for the future. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Last question I wanted to ask you, as we were walking through, um, as we were walking through the vineyards and the estate, you showed me a vine, and you showed me a tree, and you said, ah, this, this in 1986? Exactly. Somebody special came here.
0: The um, Prince Charles, the Prince of Wales, he he became friends of my uncles, Vittorio and Bona. And uh, he visited us in 1986, which is in the same year that we decided to launch Laudemio. And there is an old tradition that when a king visits you, you, as a memory, you plant a tree. So we decided to plant uh, an olive tree and a vine and since then he became a very good um, passionate about consumer about uh, with love of frescobaldi and every year we send him uh, the first 12 bottles that we produce of every new new vintage of every new harvest for his birthday
1: oh that's such a great tradition <laughs> and then he'll be king that'll be interesting
0: Maybe. <laughs> who knows?
1: Exactly. It's, it's who knows what the future brings, right? So do you call that Grove the, the, the Prince's Field? Yes. Or, how you do?
0: Yeah, we call them the, um, the Olive Grove of the Prince.
1: Oh. <laughs> That's so cool. That's really charming. Well, I'm so happy to have had the opportunity to come here and I mean it's you know, we as as Darius and I were saying earlier when we walked in, it's it is really mind blowing. I mean, we're sitting in this old kitchen. Beautiful kitchen, a wooden table, and an old fireplace. How things used to be made, and we're walking around, and um, you know, we see the traces every kind of phase of the history because we've seen the medieval castle. We've, we've you know, you, you're sharing us the Renaissance and the and the Baroque history and the eighteenth and nineteenth century history, and it's, it is, it is a lot to, to it's almost mind-boggling when you see it. You know, you read it in history books, but when you live it, it's a totally it, it's amazing. Um, it must be. It, what's it like being a Frescobaldi? I mean, when somebody hears your last name, they must be like, "Wow, <laughs> a thousand years, thirty generations." Do people often say that to you?
0: Yes, um, I under. For us, it's normal. Uh-huh. As I said before, it's also a responsibility, but it's also normal at the same time. So, but I understand when you know we tell our story and people ask questions. You know, you can tell that whether it is somebody from florence or somebody from uh, uh, san francisco they're all amazed in the same way
1: i would think so now you know one of one of the things i really enjoyed when i was talking to you aside from how charming and sweet you are um is i asked you because i'm always curious about what happened with people during lockdown and i know you know you are lucky because you you have a job that Dur- during lockdown in Italy, everybody was shut down and everybody had to stay in their houses. But if you worked in agriculture, you were allowed to go to your estates. And I know you came out here, and you said it was great. But what I was even, what I found even more charming was when you told me that you got really bored in Florence. And so, what did you do?
0: <laughs> well, uh, in terms of work, I, um, we also planted new olive groves during during lockdown, which was very nice you know to think of a rebirth potentially and now they're growing and maybe this year they will produce but then when we were when i was not in the uh, in the in the states working agriculture since i really do get bored at home i decided to start being a volunteer with the local uh, uh, ambulance associations so i i started to drive ambulance and be a rescuer and i still do it once a week
1: That's great. So, when you're in Florence, stay well. But if you don't stay well, if if something happens, we know that we have (laughs) Matteo. I don't cover
0: everywhere. (laughs) I I hope not.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. And thank you so much for sharing the history of Laudemio. I mean, it's, uh, you know, actually, though, we did, we have to say one thing. Because one of the things is it's not simply Laudemio Frescobaldi, because you, you guys created Frescobaldi was a part of creating a, a consortium.
0: Yes, we founded the, the Laudemio brand as a consortium, and we decided to uh, ask the other local producers who are of the same territory, of the same terroir, to join us in this project, which for us, it was a way to relaunch the Tuscan olive oil industry.
1: Was it easy to get them to join up?
0: Uh, You would have to ask my father, because he was (laughs) the one that had to uh, convince everyone. Uh, He was successful, but he didn't convince as many as he wanted to.
1: But now there are 21, is that?
0: Yes, yes, 21.
1: So the key is, looking at the name, Laudemio. Laudemio Frescobaldi means this is... A very special olive oil it's been how would you call can we say it's an IGP is it Uh,
0: no it's it's not an IGP because it's a privately owned uh, brand so we we manage it as um, as if it was a DOC but uh, or IGP DOC but we don't we it's not officially because it's privately owned because it's
1: privately owned so that's, that's what you're looking... That's, that's what, when you see this word, laudemio, with fresco body, that's, that you, you are drinking chowar. Yes. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Fantastic.
1: Thank you so much, and have a wonderful afternoon. We're going to run around your, your, your backyard.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much.
1: Wait a second. This is a little postscript. So the ambulance where you work is... Yes,
0: it's called Misericordia di Firenze, which was established... In the year 1244, and it is still today the first uh, um, social assistance organization ever established in the world. Wow! <laughs>
1: so not only do you have storia,
0: no, but the what you do Florence, exactly? Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe
1: there was a frescobaldi.
0: For sure, yes. Well, my father used to do it. It's a it's a tradition for people in Florence uh, to um, to do.
1: I love hearing this. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Ciao Bella. If you'd like to know more about today's guest, please visit ciaobella.co and click on the podcast link or go directly to ciaobella.co backslash podcast. Want more Italy? You can find all my episodes on iTunes and Spotify and Stitcher. When you have time, subscribe to iTunes and rate the podcast. What are you waiting for? And if you want to be part of the podcast, email me or DM me your Italy questions. To learn more about me and my work, go to my website, ericafierpo.com, and follow my Italy adventures on Instagram at ericafiorpo. Ciao, Bella! And a very big thank you and hug to Massimiliano Yonta, the producers of Ciao, Bella, who continue to make me sound and feel great.